Jesus' teaching is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. He tackles tough issues head-on. Before our Lord Jesus tells us how to pray, He tells us how not to pray. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Babbling prayer has more to do with superstition and mindless religious activity. Babbling prayer supposes that God is impersonal and not caring. Babbling prayer is about human wisdom and human effort trying to reach the heart of God. We are reminded that we need Jesus to teach us how to communicate with the God of the universe in a way that is acceptable to Him. Well, Christmas is just 19 days away. Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, I wondered if I should interrupt our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount uh, and maybe do a few sermons for Christmas. Uh, I got thinking about the greatest gift that we have, that any of us has ever received, and it really is the gift of Jesus Christ, a gift that has come from, from heaven. And it's through Christ that we have the gift of eternal life. It's a free gift that is received by faith. For that, we thank God. We thank God for this new life that's ours in Christ. And then it occurred to me that the second greatest gift is is the teaching from the Lord that teaches us how to have a relationship with God. So through Christ, through faith in Christ, our relationship to God is restored. We are reconciled to God. But after that happens, what's next? Well, Jesus teaches us. He teaches us how to pray, how to have a relationship with God. Next Sunday, we're going to start talking about this great gift, the gift of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is the model that teaches us what to pray and how to pray. What a great gift this is. People throughout the millennia have wondered how to have a relationship or how to connect with the God of the universe. Well, Jesus teaches us how to do that. Isn't that a fantastic gift? So we are going to continue on through the Christmas season in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at this as the great gift that it is. We're going to look at this as uh, truly the, 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 the true understanding of what it is to, to be connected to God, to know God, to love God, and to see God as our Father. So this is what's going to be happening over the Christmas season. Now, the Lord's Prayer, it teaches us how to have a relationship with God. And, and it, it teaches us how to talk to Him, how to, how to walk with Him. But even more than that, um, the Lord's Prayer is, uh, is, is our guide for life. And you're going to see that in the days to come. You're going to see how the Lord's Prayer teaches us not just how to pray, but how to live in this life. I'm really excited about sharing that with you. And it begins next Sunday.
But first, I need to remind you of what we talked about last week. Uh, last week, we, we learned how not to pray. And one of the things that Jesus teaches us is not to pray like hypocrites, where, where it's a, an external show for, for, for people to see. God does not want us to connect with him in that way. In fact, Jesus would say that, that there is no connection to God as long as we are trying to put on a show for people to show them how religious or how spiritual we are. So Jesus teaches us uh, how not to pray. And we're going to, again today, talk more about how not to pray. Um, we confirmed last week that Jesus wants us to be a people who know how to pray and fast. Praying and fasting is definitely part of our, uh, our intimate and personal relationship with God. It's how we connect with him. Uh, but again, God wants us to do this secretly so that it's between us and God alone. Remember, uh, it's very important to get this, that true spirituality is internal. It's not an external thing. Uh, and you see this in many religions, and, and unfortunately, in many Christian traditions, uh, Christianity has become something that is, is full of external traditions, where we cross our, ourselves and, and, and genuflect and do all sorts of things in order to express praise and worship. But here's what you need to know. According to Christ, true spirituality is, is something that's internal. The only thing that is external about our faith is our obedience to Jesus Christ. It's the outward working of our obedience to Christ. So let's, let's get right to the topic at hand. We're talking about how not to pray part two. So Jesus told us before that when we pray, we should not pray like hypocrites. And today Jesus is saying, don't pray like the Gentiles. Don't pray like the pagans. Let's read the scripture uh, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. Let's see what it says. Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, Jesus says. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Matthew 6, 7 to 8. So Jesus doesn't want us to pray like a hypocrite. And now Jesus is saying, don't pray like the pagan Gentiles. Now, the, the Gentiles were considered to be pagans because they did not worship the one true God. Yahweh is, is who God is, and that's how God reveals himself in the Old Testament. He reveals himself as, I am that I am. Gentiles don't recognize one true God. They have thousands and perhaps even tens of thousands of gods. And if you are Hindu, well, there could be as many as 50 million gods. That's right. That's, uh, that's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. The thing that we recognize about a Christian or Jew is that there's one true God. Now, everybody who is not Jewish is considered a Gentile. This was a name for anybody who is not Jewish. And so Jesus is saying, don't pray like the people of the nations. 
the nations that do not know God. You need to pray as God has, has shown us. Now, I want you to see something. In this passage, in Matthew 6, 7 to 8, Jesus is drawing a, a, a sharp distinction between, between the, the, the prayers of the Gentiles, which are mindless and repetitive and, uh, and, and, and really, for all intents and purposes, meaningless, versus this rich relationship with God, who is our Father. It's really important that you see that. You see the personal God of, of Christians and Jews versus the impersonal gods of the Gentiles. Now, Jesus wants us to understand that when we pray, we pray to a personal God who hears us. Remember, we are created in his image. And this means that we are created for relationship with God. Now, here's a sad thing about so many people and many people who call themselves Christians. Their prayer is not personal. It is repetitive. It's almost magical. And I'll tell you more about that in just a few moments. Our prayer is to a personal, loving father. Remember, this is how Jesus reveals God. He reveals God as a loving father. And if you know your New Testament, you know that it, it is full of language of rich relationship. We are his children. He is our father. This is something that God wants us to understand so that we know how to pray and we know how to have this relationship with him. So let me show you a, a sample of Gentile prayer and worship. On your screen, you will see a fresco that was found in the ancient city of Pompeii. In 79 AD, Pompeii was buried under meters of ash and pumice after the catastrophic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Everything in the city was preserved as it was on that day when there was that volcano eruption. Now, archaeologists discovered this particular fresco depicting two Lares. Uh, a Lares is a protective god. And in this picture, you'll see on, on either end uh, of this, of this uh, fresco, the sons of the god of Mercury, or the god Mercury. And they stand on either side uh, of a scene of a sacrifice. And the gods here are pouring wine from a drinking horn into a bucket. And the head of the family makes offerings, and a musician plays while two smaller figures bring items for sacrifice, including a pig. In the panel underneath, you see a pair of snakes, which were considered the bringers of good fortune, prosperity, and abundance. Isn't that interesting that it's snakes? The snake, if you remember, is what tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But here they are, they are looking to these snakes as, as the creatures that bring good fortune, prosperity, and abundance. Well, you see that this is pagan, and it is, the, is absolutely opposite to everything that we learn in scriptures about our God. Our God is the one who brings us prosperity and abundance and provision. So these snakes are standing on either side. Or, or laying on either side of the altar. 
And there's a ritual sacrifice going on here. The ritual sacrifice was an integral part of ancient Greco-Roman religion and was regarded as an indication of whether uh, a person was pagan. Now, traditional Roman households owned at least one protective god figure. Unofficial cults uh, uh, to these gods persisted at least until the early uh, 600s. Uh, and it is absolutely amazing that it persisted that long. But it wasn't long before uh, the truth came to the hearts of the people throughout Europe and then it spread throughout the world that there is one true loving God. Now, the pagan Gentiles, they prayed to these household gods. And what they would do is they would mention these gods, all their gods by name and uh, they would, uh, they would specifically ask these gods for certain things, and then they would, what they would do is they would repeat the prayer over and over and over again. And uh, they, they believed that the more that they would repeat the prayer to these gods, the greater the chance of an answer to the prayer. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying, don't do. And it's, it amazes me how many of us still do that. We still kind of pray like that. We pray like pagans. We think if we repeat the prayer enough times that maybe our God in heaven will hear us. God, God wants us to rethink the way that we address him. He wants us to see him as a father with, with, with whom we have a relationship where we can connect with him and we can share with him what's on our heart and that we can listen to him and read his word and find out what he has to say to us. It's very critical that you understand what Jesus is driving at here. He's driving at the importance of a personal relationship with God, whereby we speak to him. Last week, we learned that Jesus, uh, Jesus wants us or tells us to go to, to, a, to a, a prayer closet, a secret place of prayer where it's just you and God communicating. You get the point. This whole idea of prayer is a personal relationship with God where we speak to him as you would speak to your father. So getting back to the prayer of the, the pagans, it was repetitive, it was mindless, and Jesus says, don't pray like this. Now, here's something else I want to point out to you. For the Gentiles, the pagans, anybody that doesn't know God, the idea that you could have a personal relationship with God was, was really preposterous. It was ridiculous. This notion that, that, that God would be personal with you and that you could be personal in your relationship to God. Unheard of, unbelievable. And, and, and we see it, especially with Paul, when he was preaching in Athens on, uh, on Mars Hill, they, they rejected what Paul had to say, uh, not just because of Paul's doctrine, but just because of this idea, this personal relationship with God. It was, it was something that, that, that these people could not accept because this is not what they'd learned their whole lives through. So again, Jesus tells us, don't pray like pagans. Jesus says, when you pray, stop and think carefully about how you're praying and pray to God personally, like you're addressing your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus reminds us that when we pray, we're not praying to a lifeless being. We're praying to our Father 
who knows what we need before we even ask. Now think about that. We're praying to a God who is our father, who knows what we need even before we ask. I'm a father, been a father for almost 30 years now. And I can tell you that with all my kids, I, for the most part, I can tell you, I know what they need uh, even, even before they know what they need. And, it, and oftentimes at the same time, if I can do that as a loving father who loves my children, how much more does our father in heaven know what we need? And I want this idea to stick in your head. This, is, this, this comes right from Christ himself who said this. Before you even ask, God already knows. So, so what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that, that God cares about you. He's interested in you. And right now, you may have forgotten that. You may, have, you may think God is distant from you, that, that God maybe is angry at you or doesn't love you or that somehow God has forgotten about you. I can assure you that according to the teaching of Christ, God has not forgotten about you. He knows all about your situation. You wonder, well, what does tomorrow hold? What do, what's my future hold? What, are, what am I going to do in January? What am I going to do in February? How is this all? How are things going to play out? And I'm here today to tell you to relax. Don't worry. Don't stress out about your future, about your job situation. Don't stress out about your, about your education. Don't stress out about anything. Trust your Father in heaven who knows what you need even before you ask. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And I'm praying right now that the Spirit of God will minister to your heart and bring great peace and comfort to you. Because that really is the wonder of our relationship with God. He loves us, He cares about us, and He knows what we need before we ask. So, Jesus tells us now how not to pray. Don't pray like pagans. And then Jesus tells us clearly how to pray. Pray like a Christian. So the first thing I need, to, I need to say to you about praying like a Christian is you need to understand your relationship to God. It's very important. You must keep this idea in your head at all times. You are his child. He is your father. Look what Jesus says here in Matthew 6, verse 8. Don't be like the pagan Gentiles. For your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Remember, you are praying to your heavenly father. You're praying to your heavenly father. He's your God. He's your father. He knows everything that you need. Keep that in your mind. And I believe that this will comfort you and help you and strengthen you especially in these very difficult days. You have a father who's with you. This is the great promise in the Old Testament and, the, and in the New Testament. God tells us, don't worry, don't be afraid. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Isn't that fantastic promise? God's with you right here and right now. And so when you pray, you're not gonna be hysterical and doing these mindless, repetitive prayers, but you're gonna to talk to your loving Father. Tell Him what's on your heart and listen to His voice, and He will speak to you and bring you comfort. This idea of God as Father 
is, is something that Jesus addresses again later on in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 11 to 12, Jesus says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Are you getting the picture here? Because this this idea, it's got to grip our hearts and our minds. We must understand this. And I'm going to tell you this, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're going to grow in your trust in God, if you're going to see answers to your prayers, you must understand your relationship to God. He is your father and you are his child. Now, the fact that Jesus calls God father is an indication that God wants to have a relationship with you. God does not want you to hold him at, a, at, at, at arm's length. He wants to get into your, into your uh, inner circle, uh, uh, your inner comfort circle, that place of intimacy. For a lot of us, we are not comfortable being close to people and, uh, and we wanna keep, keep at arm's length. We're afraid of intimacy. But I'm gonna tell you that, that because Jesus reveals God as Father, he wants this intimacy with you. I'm going to tell you, I've been, uh, I became a pastor when I was 21 years old. And when I went into the ministry, I had no idea the responsibility and the burden of the ministry. And I can tell you, I remember, uh, as though it were yesterday, I remember when in prayer and coming to God with this heavy burden, where, where God clearly impressed on my heart by his word, that I needed to understand that I am his child and he's my father. I function as, first of all, as a child of the father. Even before I function as a pastor, I must first function as a child of God. And that means that I must trust him, I must relax in him, I must allow him to carry the heavy burden. That's critical for all of us, for you parents who are worried about your children, for those of you who are are worried about your job, about your future. You need to learn to leave that with God and say, Father, I can't carry this burden, but I know that you are able to carry the burden and carry me through the difficult times. This is the wonderful promise that's ours as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, Once I understood that God is my father, I can tell you that this has brought me through a lot over the last 31 years. Uh, It's actually uh, almost 40 years, actually, since I became a pastor. And I can tell you that God has brought me through so much and helped me with so much. Um, I could write a book on the subject, but I can tell you that my faith in God, my trust in God, my ability to get through difficulty the, the foundation of this, of this trust, the foundation of this ability to get through any difficulty is this understanding that God's my father and I'm his child. So you have to understand that. It's, 
It's, it's imperative. Hey, one of Jesus' disciples himself said that basically the same thing. In 1 John 3, 1, uh, Jesus', uh, Jesus disciple John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And notice there's an exclamation mark. That's, it's an imperative. This is something you must understand. It's something that must grip your heart. Now, not only does God love us, but you need to see that he has adopted us as his very children. This is what Romans chapter 8 talks about. We've been adopted into, into his family. We are his sons and daughters. So have you got the, have you got the idea here? You are his children. He's your father, and he's going to take care of you. And when you talk to him, talk to him, not hysterically, not with fear in your heart, but with trust and calm assurance. God's going to hear your prayer. He's going to answer you. He's going to take care of you. And you can go to the bank on that. I can, I can promise you that that's what God will do. And I know it because he's done that for me and he's done that for my family. So what else do we need to understand if we're going to pray like a Christian? We, so let me just recap this. If we're going to pray like a Christian, we're going to understand that we are his children and God is our father. That's how Christians pray. With that clear understanding, that is the foundation of your prayer. And we're going to be actually looking at this again uh, next week. But the next thing you need to understand is that when you talk to God, when you pray, don't, don't become all, uh, don't become strange or weird and, 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 and think that you have to start talking in King James language, like thee and thou. When I, when I started driving at age 16, I'd go to my father to ask him to, if I could use his car. And I, I didn't go, oh, thou great father of mine, wouldst thou please lendest me the keys to thine car? It's ridiculous. Talk to God plainly, not disrespectfully, but talk to him in his natural voice. He wants you to speak to him as a, as a loving father. Now, of course, it's with respect. And please don't think that, that's, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm somehow putting that down. I'm not. But I want you to get used to the idea of speaking normally and naturally to your father. Look what it says here in verse 7, Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. The idea here is that, is that the Gentile is praying mindlessly and repetitively and somehow believes that, the, that he's got to use certain words. And if he uses certain words, that that will somehow unlock the door of, of, of the God's provision. And, and that somehow, some way, that uh, these words would be magical in, in, in strength and power. And that somehow they'll get what they want. It would be, it's like using words like, like bibbidi-bobbidi-boo or alakazam or uh, hocus-pocus or or abracadabra. Do you know that in the 1600s, during the Great Plague in London, that some Londoners posted the word abracadabra in large letters on the doorways of their homes, thinking that that word abracadabra would somehow protect them against sickness. 
Well, it's superstition and we know what it is. And yet it's amazing how many of us still approach God like that. If we say a certain number of Hail Marys, and if we say, say the Our Fathers enough times, if we've repeated enough that somehow, some way, God will hear us and give us what we want. Please, God, God hates that. He hates that kind of, of magical thinking, because that's really what it is. Um, look, life is difficult. It's extremely difficult. And, and I am not in any way trying to be uh, disparaging of those who are desperate and in desperate need. But look, this is why we come to Christ, because he teaches us how to live and how to walk with God. He wants us to understand how to have a relationship with God the Father. And he wants us to understand how to pray and how to receive from the Father. People throughout the ages have been looking for supernatural help. People are looking for help that's not of this world because of their desperation. God understands that about us. We're desperate people in desperate times and in desperate need. And so what he wants to do is he wants to teach us that there is hope, but it's not in doing things the way the pagans do. This is what Jesus is pointing out. Hey, do you know, that in, when I was in Greece, uh, I discovered a, a, a number of amazing places that have been known for or known about for, for millennia. There's a place just north of Athens called Delphi, and people of Greece would go to uh, the Oracle of Delphi to find direction and help. It'd be a sort of a supernatural uh, uh, help. and. Uh, and of course, if you know anything about it, you know that, that there was no help there at all. In, in China, China and, and, and the North American Indians and, and actually people from out around the world uh, had, had the shaman. And the shaman would have a bag of bones. He would shake the bag up and throw it on the ground. And then somehow he would read the bones and the bones would give sort of supernatural help and direction. Uh, we see that uh, in Egypt, Egypt, the pharaohs of Egypt had their court magicians that would, would advise and direct the pharaohs, tell them what to do. And uh, we don't have to go back thousands of years. Uh, I was just uh, reading about Diana, how she had her astrologers and her psychics that would help her because in the midst of her desperation, in the midst of her sadness and difficulty, uh, she was looking for help, but rather than crying out to God the Father, she went to these uh, astrologers. Uh, the Reagans, President Reagan and his wife did the same thing, and there are multitude of, of, uh, of people that you would know very well that do that. And you sometimes will see it on TV, you'll see it advertised in magazines, but tarot cards, um, the, the horoscope, uh, I remember as a little boy, my grandma taking me to a restaurant uh, that, that had somebody who would read your tea leaves for you. Uh, this stuff is all, is all evil, according to scripture. We, we do not turn to, to mediums and psychics and astrologers. We turn to God. We don't function as pagans. We function as children of God. So if you are a follower of Christ and you are in any way dabbling in tarot cards and, um, and, and horoscopes or psychics or mediums, any of this, I, I want to warn you in Jesus' name, run for your life. This is all demonic and you should have no part of that. 
All right, so God is not someone that you can manipulate or control. And that really is, is what, what the Gentiles were doing. They, saw, they thought that somehow, some way, they could manipulate God and get God to do whatever they wanted them to do. Hey, listen, Jesus is saying we must never turn prayer into a magic incantation. If you say the right words in the right way, that somehow you're going to get what you want. Do you know that the word of faith teachers and the prosperity teachers, this is exactly what they teach. They say that there's power in words and that if you, if you speak your words the right way, you can get whatever you want. Well, this is not biblical. This is ancient, ancient witchcraft. Uh, Jesus says, don't be like the, the pagans. You don't need to turn to that. You can turn to your loving father who cares about you and who knows what you need even before you ask. It's a beautiful picture here. So magic, uh, the idea of this, these magical words is a way to control God and to get God to do whatever you want him to do. And this is not how it works. When you come to God, you say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, you need to understand that you're praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't tell God to do your will. You ask God what is his will and you seek to do it. It's a beautiful picture of father and child and child obeying his father. And in that, there is peace and in that is God's provision. Now, God is not your magic genie and he's, he's your father and you go to the father you pour out your heart to him, you tell him what you need, and then God takes care of you. I want to just close with this. Uh, Israel's first king, Saul, uh, you may remember, uh, you can read about it in First and Second Samuel, but First Samuel specifically, he refused to maintain a right relationship with God. He, he was constantly disobeying God, and the prophet Samuel was constantly chastising him and 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 he constantly had to put Saul in his place well here's the thing Saul did not care about maintaining this right relationship with God the father he disobeyed God but interestingly he still wanted God's help look at you can't have it both ways you can't you can't uh, approach Christianity any old way you want. And this is a thing that I hear all the time. And I mean, I, I get people ask me questions, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. But the fact of the matter is you can't approach Christianity according to your own understanding, and you can't serve God the way you want to do it. You have to do it the way Jesus tells you to do it. Jesus tells us how we must live. So you can't live in disobedience and then expect that God is going to give you whatever you want. You cannot have it both ways. And this is what happened with Saul until it came to the point where God rejected Saul. And uh, I, there's a debate. If, if Saul had turned back to God, would God have received him back? Um, I'm thinking he would. I think if Saul had repented, that God would have re-embraced Saul. But that's just my opinion. In the end, uh, Saul didn't do that. He, he refused to repent. He refused to turn from his wickedness. He refused to recognize that he was, uh, he was God's people. He's one of God's people. And instead, he said, I'm going to do it my way. And in the end, what did he do? He turned to a pagan medium. 
He went to a medium, uh, like it's like a psychic for help and direction. Rather than turning to God, he went to a psychic. And then from then, it was a disaster. And it wasn't long after that, that like a pagan, he committed suicide. He fell on his sword rather than be captured by the enemy. This is what happens to us, folks, when we fail to recognize our relationship to God and we fail to understand that we need to come to God in obedience. And in doing so, we can trust him and know that he will meet our every need. This is something that God wants you to understand today. Stop doing things. Stop trying to follow God according to your own understanding and stop trying to do it in, doing it your way. Start living the way Jesus Christ commands us to live. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes the things that Jesus tells us to do is really difficult. But you have to do it because he is your master and your Lord. You must obey Christ because it's through Christ that we understand how to have this relationship with the Father. You know, David, who was the second king of Israel, he understood this in a way that Saul never did. And so we find David understanding the Father in a way that few people ever understand God. And he addresses God. Look at this in Psalm 65 too. He addresses God. And this is kind of a, a, a title for God. Oh, you who hear prayer. That is, that is David's name for God. Oh, you who hear prayer. To you shall all people come. Understand today that God wants you to come to him in prayer and he will hear you and he will provide for you and he will meet your need and he knows what you need even before you ask. So start trusting him. Start crying out to him and he will meet your every need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, for your word. We pray, Father, now in Jesus' name that you would give us the wisdom and the grace to trust you and to do things the way Jesus tells us to do. Help us, Lord, to understand our relationship to you. You are our Father. We are your children. You want to meet our needs. You know what we need, what we need before we even ask. And God, we want to come to you now, not, not functioning like the pagans, but functioning as true Christians, as two ch true children of God that can have a relationship where we talk freely with the Father and the Father is able to talk to us we thank you that we have this, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today.